Hello, everybody. We have some news that we're going to break to you today. And I'm here with my guest, Dr. Meryl Nass, who's up in Maine, who's one of my heroes. And she sent me last night an extraordinary letter from the 3,300 emails that Tony Fauci um, has been stripped of on this Freedom of Information dump. And this is really the smoking gun email. First, I have to give you some background. Beginning with the spread of the coronavirus almost in January, but certainly by February, there was chatter all over the world that this was coming from the Wuhan lab. And you might remember Senator Tom Cotton immediately at the beginning of February went on the Senate floor, floor regularly saying, did this come from the Wuhan lab? I was writing articles. I wrote one of the first articles asking that question and asking for congressional investigation. All the people who raised this, there were many scientists who were looking at this virus and saying, this does not look like it could have been a natural jump from bats to human beings or through an intermediary. This was laboratory generated. It has to be for a number of reasons that are now well-documented and probably the place that has described this debate in the science most clearly is Nicholas Wade's article in the journal, I think it's the Journal of Atomic Scientists. And it was, well, it scientists. Yeah, and it was last month and it really is a beautifully written article that really goes into the science. And anybody who reads that is gonna understand that this had to be a laboratory generated and it had to come from the Wuhan lab. And yet for, a year, those of us who have tried to talk publicly about this have been dismissed as conspiracy theorists. And as Nicholas Wade shows, and if you go back and look at all of the newspapers, there were two reasons, there were two documents that came out, two articles, one that was published in The Lancet and one that was published in Nature Medicine in March of 2020. And those two articles, were by prominent scientists, including some Nobel Prize winners, who said that this was a natural transmission and that there is zero evidence that it could have come from a lab. Even one of them in Nature Medicine said it could not have come from a lab. That was the conclusion. Uh, people like Dr. Nass, who read those articles back then and who parsed them and who understand the science, were telling all of us at that time there is something wrong here because the science makes no sense. And why would these prominent scientists have signed on to this garbage? Well, we learned that the Lancet article was actually secretly ghostwritten by Peter Daszak. And Peter Daszak, of course, is the grifter British bioweapons expert who was getting millions of dollars from the US military and from Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci was laundering the research money to do these gain of function studies in Wuhan. He had been ordered, this was in 2014, Obama made the moratorium and said, you can't, Tony Fauci cannot do any more gain of function studies. And Tony Fauci began, shifted his operations offshore away from nosy White House officials 
Uh, he did not want to give NIAID money directly to the Wuhan lab, so he funneled it. He laundered it through this, you know, this bioweapons grifter, Peter Daszak. And Peter Daszak, from the beginning, knew that he was in trouble. As soon as COVID began circulating, he knew he was going to get the blame for this because he had been the one who was giving those viruses to the uh, military scientists at the Wuhan lab, and he knew that he was likely to take the fall. So he, he ghost wrote a letter to the Lancet. He sent notes to all these scientists saying, look, I don't want my name on this letter, but I want you to sign it. And they all compliantly agreed. And this was published in the Lancet. At the same time, Christian G. Anderson, PhD, who is a Scripps researcher. He is the director of infectious disease genomics at Scripps. He's a famous scientist, published another article in Nature Medicine. So now these are the only two articles that they had. Francis Collins was blogging about these furiously. Tony Fauci was quoting them and saying, look, these are the proof that this was not lab generated. And all of the papers in the country who were casting bricks at me saying I'm a conspiracy theorist and a Tom Cotton and Merrill Nass and all the people who were being vilified as conspiracy theorists, the proof that they cited 100% of the time was these two articles. Now we know that one of them was ghostwritten by the villain who was responsible almost certainly for the experiments that were being done at the Wuhan lab. Now what Merrill Nass has figured out is that the author of the second one, get this, three of the hidden authors, the secret authors, were Francis Collins, Jeremy Farrar, and I'm going to tell you who he is in a second, and number three, Tony Fauci. And this letter is a letter from Christian Anderson thanking them for their help writing this article. So this is nuclear. This Tony Fauci should not be in that job next week. This shows that he is a total fraud, that he was masterminding and orchestrating the cover-up from the beginning. He was ghostwriting the only article that was cited. And you can read Nick Wade's piece, and he's looking, he goes through this article and tells why the science is all screwed up. Of the two articles that were written that everybody was citing, one of them was written by, by Peter Daszak, who was Tony Fauci's beneficiary, who Tony Fauci gave $7 million to do these immoral, unethical, insane studies that created this pandemic. And the only other article that they had to rely on was this other article by Christian Anderson in Nature Medicine, which it turns out Tony Fauci was saying how great this article was and telling all the press, look, here's the proof that it couldn't have been lab generated. And it turns out he wrote the article. So this is, a, this is something that Meryl Nass has figured out and I wanted to have her on here and just to thank you, Meryl, because this is the piece that is gonna to bring Tony Fauci down. If we live in a just or rational world, he will be out of a job tonight, and he will be riding out of Washington on rails to be tarred and feathered and then sent off somewhere where they send scientific crooks and charlatans 
let's talk a little bit about this. About, first of all, I want to tell you, and Meryl, please kick in, who Jeremy Farrar is. Oh, Tony Fauci gives $7.6 billion away a year. And that gives him control over all of these scientists in the country who are terrified of him. Because if you cross Tony Fauci, and this is why none of the virologists ever spoke up, because they knew these were crazy studies. But they knew if they criticized Tony Fauci, they'd never get a dime again. Tony Fauci gives away 13 times what Bill Gates gives away every year. So it gives him the ability to control science, not just what science has done, but the outcome of that science. It gives him the ability to ruin or reward every scientist essentially in the world who's doing research. It gives him absolute control over what research is done and what research is not done. The only person who's as big as him is Jeremy Farrar. Why is that? Because Jeremy Farrar runs the Wellcome Trust, which is the biggest pharmaceutical stock portfolio in the world. And it is the UK version of the Bill Gates Foundation. So between Gates, Farrar, and Fauci, you're accounting for almost all of the, probably 90% of the scientific research that's done on earth. Who is Jeremy Farrar? I'll tell you the first place you may have heard of him. In 2005, it was a phony bird flu epidemic. And that bird flu epidemic began in Vietnam. And the guy who said we have a bird flu epidemic was Jeremy Farrar, who was working at that time in Vietnam. And he said the bird flu epidemic came from a duck, a pet duck of a little girl. It died, it was buried, and then it was unburied. And it caused a bird flu pandemic. And they went and they gave billions of dollars to the pharmaceutical industry. And you know how many people died of that bird flu pandemic? I think a hundred. It wasn't a pandemic. It was a fake pandemic. And it was invented by Jeremy Farrar to enrich the pharmaceutical companies. And his reward for doing that was that he was made the head of Wellcome Trust, which is the biggest pharmaceutical portfolio in the world. And you know what he's been doing? Since this pandemic began, he's been engineering and creating and funding studies to make it look like hydroxychloroquine are lethal by dosing study participants with double or quintuple the doses that are known to kill people in order to show that it's too dangerous to use in COVID because the plan of, of Fauci, of Gates, of Farrar is to lengthen this pandemic to intensify it, to make it lethal, so that people are terrified and they will take those vaccines and they won't take any other medicines. So putting all of the other medicines that could have stopped this pandemic, that could have saved the lives of 500,000 Americans who unnecessarily died, he is the funder of those studies. And you know Jeremy Farrar for years, right, Meryl? No, actually, I only became aware of him when I started investigating the authors of the Lancet letter. And he was one of them. And I didn't know who he was. And I thought, well, isn't, you know, looked him up. I thought, huh, why is the head of the Wellcome Trust signing this letter about how we have to, you know, 
damn the the conspiracy theory of lab origin. I thought, wh why would why would he be one of them? And some of his people at Wellcome Trust also signed, and a lot of people associated with Dayzak signed. A former head of the National Science Foundation signed. A former assistant Surgeon General of the United States signed. So there was obviously tremendous power involved with, with getting this letter written and getting the signatories. You know, these were very important people. The, the former head of the National Science Foundation, you know, she gives away money, uh, you know, not quite as much as Fauci, but in that range. I started investigating the, the connections between these people and why they might have written this letter, which was a propaganda letter, and then and how they connected to the authors of the Nature Medicine article, which was supposed, so the Lancet correspondence, it was called, was this ghost-written Dayzak letter saying, we stand with the scientists and doctors of China, and we want cooperation with them to work together on solving the pandemic, and therefore we should stop talking about conspiracy theories that this might have come from a Chinese lab. That got published online in February of last year and published in print in March. On March 6th, Christian Anderson was one of five authors who wrote to Fauci, Farrar, and Francis Collins, who's the head of the NIH, to thank the three of them for advising on the creation of this three-page paper, which was also called a correspondence and got published in Nature Medicine very quickly. It was published nature medicine, you know, a couple of weeks later in the print version. So things happened fast. And then about a week after that, Francis Collins wrote in his blog post about the nature medicine article and said, this is the nail in the coffin to the lab origin theory, you know, and that's a conspiracy theory. We should, you know, eschew conspiracy theories. And if you see something that disturbs you, go to this FEMA website where I guess you could report on conspiracy theories or, or satisfy yourself that there was no lab origin. Oh, so, and Francis, oh, Francis Collins wrote a blog praising the article that he had secretly written. And Meryl Nass, I want to give you credit for this, because she read these articles, saw that the science was absolutely screwball stuff. She wondered why are all these important people signing on to these hastily created false fronts for citing science that makes no sense. Merrill was interviewed in the movie Plandemic. So she is on record almost a year ago saying there is something wrong. There was some invisible hands in those two articles because they made no sense scientifically. And now we know who the invisible hands were. They were the major culprit Peter Dayzak, who goes wrote The Lancet One, and Francis Collins, the head of NIH, Tony Fauci, the head of NIAD, the big shot, the big cone of, of public health uh, for 50 years, and Jeremy Farrar, who is the most powerful man in Europe and who is the one of the authors of, you know, of, of the prolonged pandemic. Right, and he signed The Lancet letter, Farrar. Uh, Ferrara is also a signatory of the Lancet letter. And Dayzak actually signed it also. In the end, it looked like in the email traffic that he didn't, wasn't planning to sign it initially, but he did, he did become a signatory, which is how I found out about Dayzak. 
Then Dezak went around the country, was interviewed by all these major media talking about how humans with their incursions into nature cause pandemics. And Fauci then with more, Jeffrey Morins, one of his deputies, wrote an article in the journal Cell last year, again, saying that human incursions into nature were causing pandemics and we needed to learn to live with nature differently. Very curious. We could talk about how Farrar was the chair of the organization that determined what would be studied and how it would be studied in the WHO solidarity trial. So Farrar was basically on top of all of that. Just so people know, the solidarity trial was, there were two large trials, the recovery trial and the solidarity trial, and those trials were looking at hydroxychloroquine. And they were giving hydroxychloroquine to very, very sick patients who were already hospitalized, which is not how you use hydroxychloroquine. You use it for early treatment. That's with zinc and zithromax. They weren't giving the zinc, they weren't giving the zithromax, and they were giving lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine in order to show that not only was, and they were giving it at the wrong time. They had 20 separate studies. Half of them are called recovery, half of them are called solidarity. And Farrar was funding the solidarity studies, and they were designed to fail studies to show that hydroxychloroquine didn't work to justify the denial of access by hydroxychloroquine. And as a result of those studies, FDA banned hydroxychloroquine. And Tony Fauci got Sanofi, Bayer, Novartis, and the other drug companies to give 65 billion doses of hydroxychloroquine to the national stockpile, strategic stockpile. And they get to take the tax deduction on it. But then what does he do? He locks down the stockpile so nobody can get a hold of that hydroxychloroquine. So they were doing everything they could to make sure, because Tony Fauci knew from 2005 and also 2014, right, Meryl? Yes, they yes. Done, they, they had done, NIAD did studies in 2014 and 2005, which showed hydroxychloroquine cured coronavirus. And that not only did it cure it once you got it, but it was also prophylactic so that if you took it, you wouldn't get it. And they did, Fauci financed the second study. The first one was published by NIH. So they knew. And as soon as coronavirus started circulating in January, all of these European countries where hydroxychloroquine had been available over the counter for generations, suddenly said it's no longer available over the counter. It is now a class two poison. Canada did that. France did that. Many, many other countries did it to make sure people could not get hydroxychloroquine in order to prolong the pandemic and make it more lethal to give them the time that they needed to get their vaccines to the market so that there wouldn't be a cure before that. If you think I'm being cynical or conspiratorial, read my book. It's coming out in July. The real Tony Fauci, because the proof of everything I'm saying is in there. And, and you know that's true, don't you, Meryl? Yes. I'm not even sure it was necessarily all about all about vaccines. Farrar, I'm not sure if he funded or not. It's hard to know who exactly funded the WHO solidarity trial. WHO said initially that they had $108 million in pledges, but recently they, because of this overdose issue, they've said that they funded the trial completely themselves. But certainly Farrar was the chair of the group that was 
doing the overall decision-making about what drugs would be investigated. So it wasn't just hydroxychloroquine. There have been a, the, the trial is still ongoing using other drugs. And Farrar and Gates were, Gates was also very much involved with the solidarity trial. And I suspect that Gates employees whose job it is to determine for malaria drugs, which chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are, how they are distributed in the body and you know what their pharmacokinetics are, they advised the WHO on the solidarity trial and what the doses to be used were. So I think that they also need to be brought in that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had something to do with this. Farrar, who, who is British, also I think had something to do with the British recovery trial. He says that there's a lot of media that say the recovery trial was dreamed up when he took a bus ride with one of the principal investigators. I don't know if that's true. Another article says that he was emailed by the principal investigator a week or two before. This all happened in, in late February, early March. And so Farrar was involved with both the recovery trial in the UK and intimately involved with the foundations of both of these trials. And they were the two large multi-center trials that used identical doses that were three to four times higher than normal. These were known borderline lethal doses. And in the recovery trial, about 26% of the people who got that very high dose died. In the WHO solidarity trial, they claim only 10% who got that dose died. The other thing these folks did, and, and Farrar is, we can document that he said this, is we should not have small clinical trials. We should stop all these small clinical trials because they won't be powered enough to give us the answers we need. We need very large trials and they should involve many countries together under the aegis of the WHO. And so the, the end result was that basically Farrar and the conspirators were able to control the largest trials. You know, they, they created and controlled the largest trials and other small trials maybe were independent. Today in 2021, people are doing meta-analyses of all these trials. They throw the trials together and say, well, you know, what do all the trials in conglomeration show us about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin? And what happens is these trials, these recovery and solidarity trials were so much larger than all the other trials that they outweigh the others when you perform a meta-analysis. So basically, whenever you do a meta-analysis, you get the result that the solidarity and recovery trials got, which is that not only does hydroxychloroquine not work, but it may kill the subjects. Even though those were non-therapeutic trials, they should have been thrown out of the literature. They should have been retracted. You know, who gives poisonous doses to patients and then uses that as the basis for how you're going to treat people around the world for COVID? You know, that, that is a criminal action. And yet these trials are still polluting the medical literature and influencing the guidelines in many, many countries to still keep these life-saving drugs, potentially life-saving out of the hands of the patients who need them. And the doctors are scared to use them. The doctors are going by guidelines. Tony Fauci controlled all the guidelines in the United States for how to treat COVID. So he didn't only restrict to vaccines. He also was very much in favor of remdesivir, which he helped fund. I mean, and Gates, Gates owns a big stake in Gilead, which is, you know- The company that, that makes remdesivir. And Fauci, you know, again, fraudulently 
supported this drug, even though in clinical trials, it did not succeed. Even the WHO says, don't use it. We're still using it in the United States at over $3,000 per person. Uh, and it is, it's now the standard of care, so. Normally the CDC gives us guidelines for how to treat diseases, but in, the, and the NIH doesn't. The NIH is an organization that gives money for research. You know, Tony Fauci doesn't treat people. Anyway, in this case with COVID, it was the NIH that came out with the guidelines and the NIAID controlled the people that were chosen to be on the guidelines committee. About half of them had some sort of financial involvement with Gilead, the remdesivir company. And um, so they have repeatedly voted against the chloroquine drugs and, and also against ivermectin. Finally, after um, Pierre Corey and the FLCCC doctors showed an enormous preponderance of evidence in favor of, I mean, ivermectin is really an incredible drug against COVID. They changed their recommendation from being against the use to being neutral. That was a few months ago. Tony Fauci should not be the person controlling treatment. He's supposed to be the person controlling research. And it's not all scientific research. It's just, it's biomedical research that the NIH controls. And NIAID, it's supposed to be all about infectious disease and allergy and uh, immunology. But still, as you said, he's got an almost $8 billion to dole out for COVID research. And he's doling it out to the wrong places to make sure that people don't get the treatments they need. Besides those two, there are a multitude of other, at least 10 or 20 other repurposed drugs, drugs that were designed for other purposes that in the lab show some effectiveness against SARS-CoV-2. And Fauci has, has not pushed for any of those to be developed either. So he's not working for the public health. Apparently Francis Collins is not either. And they, for whatever reason, have, authority over the CDC and the FDA, or, or, or they're all in it together. And none of these agencies is giving us what we need. What That's Fauci right. did, he forced doctors to use remdesivir. He forced them, which doesn't work, which we know doesn't work. The, the symptoms of remdesivir are the same as symptoms as COVID, and the, which is kidney failure, low blood oxygen, pulmonary failure. And he forced them through fraud to use remdesivir and he forced them through fraud to not use the medications that actually do work, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And it's one big fraud. We are gonna sue him. We're gonna sue Gates. We're gonna sue Farrar. We are gonna bring these guys to justice. And I wanna thank you, Meryl Naz, for your steady, brilliant scholarship on this issue and your advocacy for so many years on anthrax vaccines, all of the things where you've done this incredible groundbreaking research and you know your love of accuracy, your love of truth and your love of justice. Thank you very much, Meryl Nass. Meryl Nass, mm -hmm. Dr. Meryl Nass, you should read her blog on this issue. You can see it also on the Defender on CHD's site. And I wanna urge everybody to buy pre-publication version of my book on Barnes and Noble. We need to drive it up to get it on the bestseller list. And that if Fauci's not gone by the time the book comes out, he will be gone the day after it comes out. So but we need to get it on the bestseller list. So help me by ordering your copy today. And Meryl, thank you so much for everything okay. that you do. Take care, Bobby. Meryl, you're a superstar. Thank you. Thank you.